Hi, everybody. This is Peter Diamandis, and I'm here with my dear friend, my coach, Dan Sullivan, for our next session in Exponential Wisdom. And, and Dan, today I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about that I just wrote a blog about, which is the concept of, in this day and age, should someone go and get their MBA, or should they consider, instead of an MBA, going back to something way long ago and becoming an apprentice to someone. So I'd love to talk about apprenticeship slash internship versus going at MBA. And I know you're opinionated. I'm opinionated. So let's jump in. What are your thoughts? Let's kick it off. Well, let me ask a question. You as an employer, has someone walking in the door with an MBA actually impressed you? (laughs) No, I'm just saying this. Does that tell you anything if somebody walks in the door with an MBA? Absolutely nothing. Or someone wants to be an apprentice. Uh, You know, someone wants to come and say, look, I'd just like to really learn how you do that. Just immediately, what is your first response? Yeah, I don't think that I have ever hired someone because they have an MBA. And another thing that, you know, parents of graduate students or individuals in college from around the world listening to this, at the end of the day, someone who's gotten their MBA, A, I probably have never asked them, like, what were your grades? Like, what did you learn or anything? And if the MBA came from Stanford or Harvard or, you know, MIT's got an MBA program, all that matters to me is that's a shorthand for, okay, this person is sufficiently smart and able to jump through enough hoops Mm -hmm. to get to a top-level school. But that's about it. In contrast, Dan, to the idea where someone says, listen, Peter, I love what you do. I am amazingly passionate. I would love to come and work for you and your team for free for 60 days. Mm -hmm. And if you like what I'm able to do, and my passion and my background meets your needs, then let me apprentice under you. Yeah. I mean, two very different things. Yeah. How do you set that up? In other words, even if they're free, there's a difference between being an annoyance and being a value. So how do you determine that someone who isn't going to cost you anything money-wise isn't (laughs) going to be a cost to you otherwise? Yeah. So it's interesting. So let me tell you, I, I do have a structured program I call my Strikeforce program. As you know, and many who listen to our podcast know, I'm very proud. I have a team of a dozen millennials age, call it 20 to to 30 roughly, that work with me. Every year, I will bring in two or three summer interns. And every two years, every three years, I will bring in two sort of senior strike force members. They'll rotate in. The summer interns will come in for two or three months, and we have sort of a a national, actually a mm-hmm. global competition mm-hmm. for those summer intern slots. Mm-hmm. But the Strike Force members, we also do a large competition to find candidates, but it's a lot of it turns out to be word of mouth, someone who knows someone. And I'm always amazed at where my most valuable individuals come from. Mm-hmm. I have a sort of a requirement that has become very real for me. Number one, Someone who's coming in on strike force who's going to be sort of an apprentice for a couple years, I say, listen, I want a commitment of at least two years from you. Uh, I don't want someone coming in and out, but we're going to start off with a 60-day test period. Mm-hmm. Now, that individual has to have gone through the approval cycle of my entire team, meaning 
that the entire team have interviewed that person and they like that person and they want to work with that person before I see them. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, if my team doesn't love them because I love my team, then it's not going to work out. <laughs> and then when they come in, I say, okay, we're going to have 30 days minimum, 60 days maximum test period. And at the end of that test period, it's a no fault. You can leave or I can ask you to leave. And it's interesting, during that period of time, I want to get to know that individual and figure Mm -hmm. out what their superpower is. And I've had different Strike Force members with different superpowers who are just really smart, really analytical, or calm me down, or make me think in a different way, or bring in different experiences, or have amazing relationships. They become my who's Mm -hmm. in different areas. But there's one important test, Dan, I'll mention, which is, you know, after a few weeks, I'm listening to how I feel. And if that person in a team, we meet every month at minimum, what we call our Jedi Council meetings of our dozen amazing millennials here. And in that Jedi Council meeting, if that person is not speaking up and I want them to speak up, that tells me something. In other words, if I want to hear their point of view, that pull is good. And if they are speaking and I just want them to shut up because <laughs> I, want, I want to hear from somebody else, that's bad. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about that? Can your team tell you when yeah. that person is actually gone? I mean, their body hasn't left yet. Can they tell when that person is just gone? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty quick yeah. Yeah. up or down the curve. Yeah, and one of the things I've discovered, someone who's annoying, it's actually a lifetime habit. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to become unannoying with experience. Can I tell you something? I wanted to get this in because the millennial thing is big because it's a major portion of the hiring market now is millennial. And what I've noticed is that we've hired a lot. We've grown quite a bit over the last two or three years. And probably 90, 95% of them fall within the millennial age. You know, it's an arbitrary thing, but they do it. But I haven't noticed any of the cliche or parody style millennial attitudes on the part of them. So I went to the team that does our hiring, and I just observed. I says, you know, we have all these millennials, but I don't see any of the things you see on YouTube, parodies of YouTube attitudes. And I said, do you do anything special with them? And the person said, yeah, uh, we have a question. We have a question that we ask them. And the question is, if you come to work at Strategic Coach, what do you think you're entitled to? And if they answer the question, they're gone. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love that. And here's the proper response. Well, I'm not entitled to anything. I just want to get a chance to actually contribute and learn new things. And I'm very excited about the company. And it would be just a reward to be at the company. That's amazing. And I would say the same at Abundance 360 because, you know, in sex appeal terms, you have a higher sex appeal term. Well, you do personally, Peter, but on the organizational level, what A360 deals with and all the other Peter Diamandis activities, that yours is a very, very sexy place to be. And my sense is that for the person with the right attitude, this is a really, really huge breakthrough to actually come and be able to participate even for free. So it's interesting, right? I guess that one of the questions is, should you and I at your every couple of years do a survey of our existing employees and say, what are you entitled to? And see if all of a sudden 
over time, people feel more and more entitlement. Well, it sneaks in. You know, I mean, you got to watch it. Sometimes I feel entitled to things, and I catch myself. I said, why do I feel entitled to that? You know, yeah. why did I expect that person to know what I was expecting? You know, so, yeah. yeah. So let me jump in, because the question of, for our podcast listeners, if you're thinking about doing an MBA, or you have a son or a daughter thinking about doing an MBA, or a cousin or friend or so forth, what do you advise them? Here are some of the numbers. It turns out that graduate school admissions are declining. And that's interesting, right? Because Harvard Business School has had a, almost a 5% decrease in applications. Wharton is down 6.7%. Stanford is down 4.6% in applications, which is fascinating. So one of my past Strike Force members is going and doing his MBA at Stanford. And I said, what's your experience, first of all, of there? Because he's in the middle of it right now. I won't mention his name. He worked with me for three years. He's brilliant. And I said, why are you doing this? And how do you think about it right now? I said, well, I think about, like, I'm going to come out with $200,000 in debt. I am going to spend two years being taught things that other people want me to know versus what I want to know. Those are the negatives. The positive is I'm going to create an incredible network mm -hmm. that the four or 500 students in the graduate class are super smart, super connected, and so forth. And I'm there to build that network. And then the concept that saying I did my MBA at Stanford is a shorthand for I'm smart or well-connected. I think the only better thing than saying I'm doing my MBA at Stanford is, yeah, I went for the first year, then I dropped out and started a company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what are your thoughts? Well, I don't know about an MBA because, you know, that doesn't really play very much of a part in any of the coach clients world. I mean, there may have been somebody who worked for us that had an MBA, but it wasn't something that we really thought about. But it's about college education. But we do have a fair number of entrepreneurs who didn't go to college. Yep. I have to tell you, looking back, it would have been better if they had. From this standpoint, they have a chip on their shoulder about whether they're smart or not. And the not going to college has given them a permanent chip on the shoulder, so much so that they have a, a tendency to want to be the smartest person in the room, in any room. Right. So we were having lunchtime where this subject was being talked about, and they said, well, you went to college, Dan. And I said, I did. I went to the Great Books College, and I read great books for four years and talked about great books. And they said, well, why'd you go? And I said, I wanted to read all the books, and I've got too much ADD to actually do it unsupervised, and they actually structured it for me. Hmm. But I said, I will tell you this, that I think that it's extraordinarily valuable to have a BA, you know, that you have a BA. And they said, well, why is it? And I said, so when you're sitting across the table from someone else who has a BA, you know it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's great. No, but it's a confidence level. It's like you don't know whether you're properly dressed at a party. Yeah. And you spend the whole party being self-conscious about whether you're properly dressed. And I think that the knowledge that it doesn't mean anything is an important piece of knowledge. It's interesting, right? There are individuals who know what they want to do. And if you know what you want to do, I think the idea of finding a person to model mm -hmm. and going and apprenticing, you know, starting with an internship, but doing a real apprenticeship. And for me, those individuals who I apprentice, and I think of it that way, I think of it as a obligation that I have to really educate. I 
bring them with me on my trips. They're in every board meeting, board call. They're listening. There's a tremendous level of trust that's built, but they see and they learn the real minute-to-minute crazy insanity and so forth. And I just don't think you can really get that as easily. But if you don't know what you want to do, yes, you know, being able to go to a proper mm-hmm. program that exposes you to a lot is critical until you find your massively transformative purpose. Yeah, and I think that there's a socialization that happens at college, which also has a value. And in today's world, I'm talking about the 21st century world and America, one of the things that I learned at college is that there's a lot of smart people in the world. You know, I grew up on a farm, and smart to be a farmer is different from smart and being out in the world, or smart in the country is different from being smart in the city. And the majority of population is tending towards city life away from any outside life. So my feeling is, one thing, there's a lot of smart people in the world, but you can be smart in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think the appreciation that smart comes in an infinite number of varieties is actually a very useful piece of education. Yep. Yeah. And Peter, you use the word apprentice. That means you're the master. So if your apprentice leaves after two years and has picked up the three most important items of mastery that you could possibly give them for their lifetime, what would the three most important qualities or characteristics of mastery from Peter Diamandis be? (laughs) There you go. Uh, That's a great question, pal. I think there's a wide variety of things that I hope folks are learning. And let me just say that my ideal goal is that when someone is with me for two years, they're building a very close relationship with me. So I think of them, because they're typically in their 20s, 30 years younger than me, as kids I didn't have when I was in my 30s, in some sense. But I think it's Mm passion-driven. It's the most important thing is don't do anything for the money alone, that it's got to be something that is meaningful, that you're passionate about, that drives you in the morning, in the afternoon. They will learn how to build a company from the ground up, how to conceive of it, how to search for a CEO, what qualities that person is, how to capitalize it, because we'll start a company or two during the course of that. And I usually start a company or two a year. So they'll be part of that equation. I think the art of fundraising, the art of storytelling, Mm -hmm. I think is critically important. Mm -hmm. How to create a vision and a story that is compelling for individuals and what does that mean and how do you present that? I mean, I definitely want to help those who are with me learn how to become strong orators, how to be storytellers, how to convey their ideas and passion. I mean, so those are sort of fundamentals. How about you? The one thing that has struck me nonstop from the first time I read your book, but then also met you through Joe Polish, and we reflected this when we were planning Abundance 360, and that was, what is the curriculum going to be of Abundance 360? I remember you were in here in Toronto, and you were over in our living room, and he says, there's so much to talk about here. How do we sort out the curriculum? I said, Peter, just talk about everything that you're personally passionate about. Sure. No, it's passion. I think the other thing that people, if they're with me, hopefully get, whether you're listening to the podcast or whether you're a member of Abundance 360 or whether I spend time with you at Coach, is that there is a abundance mindset. 
Mm-hmm. There is a realization that in a mindset of abundance, and this actually could be a fun future podcast for us, Dan, if you've got a real abundance mindset, how do you think about the future? Yeah. Right? Because if you lost all of your money today, you would realize that there's more wealth creation opportunity in the next 10 years than there have in the entire past century. Right? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, fine, I'll start again. And boom, yeah. we're going to create more, more wealth. So a true abundance mindset really shifts perspective and obviously an exponential mindset and just how to think about that in an integrated fashion. Yeah. So I have one thing, and I use this in my coaching for people because at the higher levels of strategic coach, the complexity problems are radically different from at the bottom level. And at the bottom level, it's complexity of scarcity. They have too many scarce factors impinging on their life. At the top level, they have Mm. just the opposite. It's abundance complexity. Yes, And actually, it's easier to deal with scarcity than it is to deal with abundance. Okay, because there's no downside in the abundance world, except you go crazy from not knowing which pile of candy to go after first. I call it drowning in abundance. Yeah, so what I've sorted it out, and I said, in everything you're doing, and you look at your history, who have you always wanted to be a hero to? Yeah. What kind of person have you always wanted to be a hero to? You know, And most entrepreneurs can sort it out in about five minutes if they just look at who they really were fascinated, motivated, rewarded with. And I said, now go forward 25 years. Is it still true that this is who you want to be a hero to? And they said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, you now have true north on the compass. So things are either an opportunity, things are either worth investing in, depending on whether they support this 25-year being a hero to a certain kind of person. Yep, and that could be a fun podcast for us as well. Well, here's the thing. Can you make any prediction about products, techniques, systems over the next five years, products, services? Can you make any prediction about which ones are going to be going up and which one's going down? There's no predictability of any kind of profession about selling or anything in the future that's being taken away. It has to be about people. You know, the only thing that can be true is who is it that you want to be a hero to over the next 25 years? Got it. You know, it's interesting. I'm still contemplating the question of apprenticeship versus generic MBA. I'm also thinking about where did I learn the most, mm-hmm. right? Because I spent a decade in grad school. Because you were starting businesses. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? So <laughs> we could go there if you want. But at the end of the day, I think everything I use today, everything that's in my tool chest, everything that's in my Peter's Laws which would be another fun podcast to do is one on Peter's Laws, run through them, is I learned not from school. There's very little I learned from school that I use. School taught me how to learn, period, how to learn how to learn, basically. But everything that I had to go and like, oh, man, I'm starting this company. I need to figure out how to create a cash flow statement or how to raise money or how to write a business plan. When you're driven by a purpose and a mission, so maybe it's the self-taught MBA yeah. by starting a company. Yeah. Yeah. It's a passport. I mean, there are certain worlds you don't cross the border unless you have this passport. I mean, there's lots of credentials in the world that you have to have or you just don't cross over. But it's the credentials for the sake of credentials, I think, is where education is handing today. 
And I can see more and more, you know, there's the recent scandal about parents bribing coaches, bribing administrators of colleges to overlook the fact that their children are totally unqualified to get into that college. (laughs) And to a certain extent, that tells you what college is about. It's about gaining a credential regardless if there's any learning or anything else. So, and I'm okay with that, but don't have the university pass off that this is going to improve your life, it's going to make you a better human being. No, it's going to give you a credential. And in certain places that your parents want you to get to, this credential is very, very crucial, you know. You know, Scott Adams is the cartoonist of Dilbert. And he said, you know, I read about these scandals, and I was really ticked off at my parents for not trying hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, you know, it's interesting, right? So now I imagine... You know, if I'm advising my sons in the future, the question is, if it's a credential you're looking for, that credential could come as a diploma from MIT or Stanford. That is a version of credential. A credential could be, I started a company and sold it for $50 million. That is a credential that is amazing. I went bankrupt once trying to do that, and I'm back again. That's a credential. That is a credential. (laughs) You know, a credential is I interned with this amazing person for two years. Call them. They'll give you a glowing report is a credential. I think at the end of the day, all of these things are shorthand ways that allow you to penetrate the cluttered universe of noise when you're trying to raise money, get a job, move to your next adventure in life. So I think if you look at it that way, one can start to say, okay, how else could I use the next two years or a $200,000 investment besides an MBA or another different graduate degree? Yeah. There's no question when I was a first grader in 1950, and I like going back and looking at facts, only 7% of the American population had gone to college in 1950, and now 37% have a college degree. So in a space of about 60, 70 years, there's been a fundamental change. But there's no question that technology and accessing information from technology, I mean, one of my clients has a 10-year-old son who really dislikes school, and he said, anything I want to learn, all I have to do is watch five different YouTube explanations of this topic. And he says, I'll get more out of that than going to school and learning about this topic. You know, So yeah. there's this switch about where knowledge and information is going. It used to just come from academic people who actually knew something and they could teach it, but that's spreading out enormously where the useful knowledge can come from. Well, Pell, let's maybe close this one out now, and let's talk about this future of individually driven, just-in-time education, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think whether you're a child or an adult or a professional, how we educate ourselves in the future is going to change. And it's going to change a lot with AI. It's changing a lot with broadband. Mm -hmm. And that could be a fun topic. Love it. But MBA versus apprenticeship, where do you come out if you had to vote? An MBA going to work for somebody who's a jerk, definitely the MBA. (laughs) Apprenticeship going for someone who just wants you to grow as an individual, definitely the apprenticeship. (laughs) Awesome, buddy. As always, a pleasure. Thank you. Take care.